Welcome back to Podcast 91 of 2023. I'm your host, Kiev O'Neill. You can follow me on Twitter at OBKiev. Follow us at The Ozbreakers and follow us on social media slash The Ozbreakers. This episode is being brought to you by this season. For the best contest in all of sports, please visit www.thesznn.com slash OB. Play for thousands of dollars with thousands of people across the world. If you'd like to support the Icebreakers and benefit from our premium plays, please visit theicebreakers.com, click shop, and become a member. Pick any for winning cappers. You get the premium plays before the line moves. You can also support us on patreon.com. And if nothing else, please visit the Icebreakers and become a free picks and Telegram subscriber. College football championship week is upon us. We have some huge games with some huge names and some pretty big spreads you know spreads that are a little bigger than you might have assumed before the season uh it, well if you thought it was going to be usc washington or oregon you would, would have thought that spread was like, going to be a heck of a lot closer if you would have thought that it was going to be alabama versus georgia you would have thought that this spread was going to be a little bit closer but here we are we're going to break down why these spreads are what they are. We're going to talk about each game in a little bit of detail. And we're going to give you a couple plays as well. So I'm very excited to get into college football championship week. And I am going solo to do that on this show. Tomorrow, we're going to talk some NFL week 13. But before we get into college football championship week, I want to talk a little bit about bowl season coming up because as you know, Sunday, these bowls are going to start coming out, and you're going to see some very loose, crazy lines. You know, the books are going to throw something out and kind of they're not going to be sure what's going on because that's how they are when this time of year they don't know what's going on, and you don't know what's going on in many cases, but you can also predict what's going on probably better than a lot of the books do. Now, my advice is this do not bet any big name schools that are not going to the college football playoffs, all right? Do not bet anything most likely until later because some of those kids are going to hold out for the draft. Now, you can look at the draft board or some mock drafts, ranking systems, whatever, whatever, to find out which players may be holding out from some of these schools, right? Now, the good news is most of the big names are from power five schools so you're kind of avoiding them anyway once in a while you'll get a really good player from a smaller school that might be holding out and even though i'm saying that that could still happen i mean liberty's quarterback caden salter could possibly hold out he's not a high draft board player right now so he's probably better off playing or coming back for another season but we don't know that a good cornerback from Toledo, Quinian Mitchell, might hold out. You know, there's uh, there's certain research to do before you fire on these takes, before you fire on these lines. Let's say Oregon loses to Washington. There is so many draft picks coming out of Oregon this year on offense 
on the offensive line that you might be crazy to bet Oregon and you probably should bet against them no matter what number this book spits out because that's how poor these odds makers are in general in making initial lines. It's the market that figures out. You see eight-point swings at times, you know? Just absolutely crazy amount of swings. So keep the beat writers high on your Twitter. Keep the information flowing. Try to find out who's in and who's not and make some educated decisions. I'm okay with fading the big teams more often than not early. I will probably be doing that. But do not bet on these big name teams because you think the spread is a little light. You know, if Texas doesn't make the playoff and they're laying seven and a half against like SMU or something, I'd be very careful with that thing. You know, you're going to think the spread is short, but the truth is the spread is short the other way. So keep that in mind Sunday when these lines come out. All right. Now it's time to get into some college football championship week games. And we already started giving you a play on the New Mexico State First Liberty uh, on the last podcast. I am not going to go over and handicap this game again, but I will uh, mention that there's two games on Friday. This is the first one, and we have another one, Oregon versus Washington. Now, as I said earlier, the spread is massive. Nine and a half points is what Oregon's laying on a neutral field in Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. Total, 66. You know, you think that's a a small total, but championship games tend to go under, just in general. But does that mean this game goes under? Well, we'll see when I come to the end of this handicap. This is going to be a good rematch. And Oregon knows this is do or die for them, but Washington should know that as well because they're not getting a ton of respect from the committee, especially the way they finished the season. You know, they'd be absolutely insane to think that they could lose this game and make the college football playoff. That is not going to happen. This is a playoff game. And I honestly believe that they will select Oregon and Florida State over Texas, which blows my mind the way that they rank some of these teams. Texas is behind Ohio State, you know? So that's a big worry coming in here. Like I said, it is a mess right now. But all these teams need style points, all of them. Maybe not so much Michigan and Georgia, but all the rest of them, let's just say. I mean, Michigan and Georgia are probably wanting style points anyway because they're competing for the top seed, you know? I would certainly want to play Florida State at number four without a quarterback if I was Michigan or Georgia, right? I would certainly want that. And I would have to assume it's going to be one of those teams. I'm afraid that Texas might be left out. But either way, looking into these handicaps, you have to think about that. And that's why you're starting to see some of these big spreads. But is Oregon really that much better to get style points? I don't know, man. Danny Lanning played this team, Oregon Ducks coach. They He played Kalen DeBoer's Washington Huskies team in Washington and lost the game. I pushed a bet. I had Oregon plus three in that game. 
Now, Oregon should have won that game. They outplayed Washington at least somewhat. But Danny Lanning, a couple times, especially right before halftime, could have got easy three points, didn't take it. Went for a fourth and long in the middle of the field early. I don't like that so much early if it's long. You know, the game's not over yet, buddy. You need to punt that. But he went for it early, kind of blew that as well. That one was more 50-50 than the field goal at the end to try to double dip and get the ball back at half. That was awful, awful decision. But either way, Washington won the game. Now, looking at the numbers, Oregon's got the yards per play edge on both offense and defense now, especially the way Washington finished the season. But this also doesn't factor in that Oregon's schedule has been a bit easier, getting Oregon State and USC at home. While Washington went to USC and Oregon State, the only real, I I guess Utah would be the one to say Oregon had to go to Utah, but both teams handled them well, and Washington should have beat Utah by a lot more. They took knees at the five-yard line, okay? Now, Oregon was fortunate enough to avoid uh, the third-best team in the Pac-12 this season in Arizona. So Arizona is the third-best team in the Pac-12 right now. Washington had to go there to secure a win. So Washington has definitely had a harder-strength schedule. Now, don't get me wrong. I think Oregon's a better team with a better defense right now. I have them by almost seven points in my power ratings above Washington, but the big issue with Oregon is that they do not show up always away from home. And I don't know if you can factor this into a true away games or not. Not enough data points, but when they're not at home, Bo Nix has been bad. The Ducks this year, Away from home, average 7.2 yards per play, down from 8 at home. While the Huskies have actually done better on the road at 7.5 yards per play, up from 7 at home. So part of the reason that this spread is also so big is because the way Washington finished the season. People say they finished the season poorly, playing very close games against Oregon State. In Washington State, they could have lost that game against Oregon State. But... Here's the factors. It was cold. It was rainy both games and windy. You know, Washington State is more of a passing team with an average defense, right? I would give Washington's passing game higher than Oregon's. I would give Oregon the advantage in the running game. But at the same time, Washington's defense isn't quite as good as Oregon's. So that's why Oregon State and Washington State was in that game. Passing suffered. But going back to where this game is being played, Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. There's no conditions to worry about. Teams with great offenses can catch up to anybody. Right? That's why I like great offenses as a dog. That's why I took the Bills last week. I mean, they came back to go up by three. Sure, they gave up the 59-yard field goal to get the tie, and then obviously... uh the Eagles just kicked the field goal to win, but I got three in the hook. I got, the, I you know, that's that's what you do. You don't get on really good offenses with mediocre to bad defenses as a big favorite, but you like them as a big dog. So the final nail, nail in the coffin for me really is is Kalen DeBoer. I, I think he's a better coach right now than Danny Lanning. I do. You know, this showed up in their last game. It could show up again. 
I think this can be the best game to watch of the weekend. I have Oregon by 5.5 points on a, on a neutral, but I have a total of 72. Here's what I'm doing. It's nine and a half. I am not in a rush to bet this. I think that this whole Oregon Bo Nix narrative and the way that Washington finishes season is going to climb. And I think we're going to get past 10 on this, at least a 10. But either way, I like the over. And I know it's a championship game, but the but the field conditions are just too good for these high-powered offenses. Both teams together average over 78 points per game on offense. And that counts garbage time where they didn't have to put the pedal to the metal. I'm taking over 66 for two stars for your first play for championship weekend. So if you're from Africa, why are you white? Oh my God, Karen, you can't just ask people why they're white. Next game, Oklahoma State at Texas. Texas minus 15.5, total 56. Man, this is the biggest spread for a championship game. I mean, too bad it wasn't the Oklahoma rematch that people wanted, but Oklahoma choked and Oklahoma State kind of just found opportunities and here they are. Well, here's the good news. I have Oklahoma State at 40 to 1, given out before the season started to win the Big 12. Ooh, 40 to 1. Bad news. Lang 700. Minus 700. Not a lot of meat on that bone. You know, you have to lay seven times your bet to make one unit, 14 times your bet to make two units, 21 times your bet to make three units. Three units on 40 to one. You know, I mean, if I'm going to do something pregame here, I'm going to hope that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope for an in-game opportunity, but, you know, this spread really says it all. I hate to say this, but, man, my number is 17 and a half. The Oklahoma State is a fraudulent team, right? Fraudulent coming in this week. They are a net negative 0.41 yards per play. Last weekend, they almost lost at home to BYU. This team is just kind of unexplainable, but they have a really, really good coach. You know, in Gundy, he kind of gets up for big games and somehow messes up people's lives. You have to wonder if he's got some guy in the trees like Harbaugh watching some plays. But I mean, either way, I, he he gets it done. But man, this is a a, a net negative. 1.9 yards per play for Oklahoma State. Positive 1.9 for Texas. They are 1.5 yards per play. And that number might be bigger if Quinn Ewers played all these games. Now, here's here's the nuts and bolts of it all, right? I mean, Texas, they have a, they have a pretty good defense. They're a little bit worse against the pass. But unfortunately, um, Bowman over there in Oklahoma State is not exactly lighting it up as a pass. They have a bad offensive line at, at Oklahoma State. Um I think that both of these teams like to play down and up, right? When Texas plays games, they should be blowing out teams. They're playing down to their competition. I mean, even though the backup quarterback was in against Houston, Texas almost lost that game, right? Even with the backup quarterback. At TCU, TCU is fourth and one and just couldn't punch it in. Um, and lost 29 to 26. Instead of taking a field goal, 
to tie it and push overtime. They tried to score, and Texas's defense stopped them. But, geez, that's how close that game was. Kansas State, three-point game, right? I might be confusing the two. Maybe that one happened in Kansas State. But either way, back-to-back three-point games at Iowa State, you only win by 10. And Iowa State has improved a ton. One of my most improving teams. I will look for them in bowl season because I don't think they have a lot of guys going out for the draft. I will check, though. But Texas Tech, they blew them out by 50 points. Kind of put their stamp on it at the end. But, man, with Quinn Ewers, this Texas team is a much better team than uh, they showed with Malik Murphy. Now, on the flip side of things, Oklahoma State, and here's what they do, right? They get smoked by South Alabama. three The third game in, right? The third game in. And then they lose at Iowa State before Iowa State was good. And then they really step up against Kansas State. They beat Kansas State, a top Kansas State team. They beat a very good Kansas team, you know, both at home. They go to West Virginia, shocked the hell out of them. I was on West Virginia that game. I could not believe the way that they kind of just kept going against West Virginia. It looked like a massive, every single play they called, West Virginia was expecting something else. It was it was insane. Whip Cincinnati. They All of a sudden, Oklahoma's up. Everyone's betting Oklahoma. Guess what? Oklahoma State beats Oklahoma. <laughs> you know, it, that's why they're in this is because of that win, really. But then... They go to UCF and lose by 42 points. I was on UCF. That was my biggest play of the week. And then they uh, are losing at Houston, and thank goodness they figured that out and came back because they wouldn't been representing here. And then all of a sudden, they bring them young. They, they, win, they barely win against BYU in overtime. You know, I mean, this is, the, this is them in a nutshell. You know, Oklahoma State, they terrible against bad teams great against good teams and they thankfully got to avoid texas this year and they avoided tcu i mean this was part of the reason i took them at 41 uh, 40 to 1 in the first place so that's your saving grace but if this whole i only show up uh, against good teams thing doesn't come to fruition for them and if texas doesn't play down this spread is low this spread is short because Texas is 17 and a half points better, at least in my opinion. Texas has a success rate on offense 48th. I think without the games that yours missed was like two and a half games. You're probably looking in the 20s there. Uh, Texas not quite as good as a run with B. John Robinson last year, only 85th in success rate. But they do pass extremely well, and that's how they beat Alabama. Great passes by Quinn Ewers. Their defense ranks 18th in success rate, 6th against rushing, 44th against the pass. Defensive line yards, 5th. Defensive havoc front, 7, 29th. I mean, this is just a very good Texas team. But one thing that really worries me about both teams is that their defensive explosiveness, they allow explosive plays. 93rd for Texas and 128 for Oklahoma State. That could make this game go all over the place. Nothing would surprise me this game. I'm staying away from it for now. I'm just going to be hedging my 40-1 to pregame and during. I'm going to try to find the best money line I can, shopping around my outs, and see what happens. But unfortunately, guys, my number is 17.5, and and I think uh, 15.5 is probably a good number, by the way, that these teams uh, play. Let's move on to the next game. We have Miami, Ohio at 
Toledo. Toledo minus seven and a half, total 44. This is at Ford Field in Detroit, neutral field. So this is an interesting game because they played each other once already. Um, Toledo won 21 to 17, and that was back on October 21st. But what happened was injury to uh, Miami, Ohio, and their quarterback, uh, Brett Gabbert, went out that game. Okay, so unfortunately, he's out for the season. And he was a pretty good quarterback, you know. So now you're looking at a Toledo team that's very powerful. They should have beat Illinois that very first game. They're probably still kicking themselves for that. But, you know, they they can be lazy. Jason Candle is a very erratic coach. So here's the deal. How much do you downgrade Miami for Gabbert? Well, you know, people have said four points, five points. Uh, they beat Ohio without Gabbert, uh, thirty to sixteen. That was a misleading final score, a bit because Toledo outgained them by over seventy yards. You know, they turned the ball over. Uh, it was just defense and success rates for Miami that won that game. And then after that, they had two cakewalks against Akron, nineteen to zip, and Buffalo, twenty three to ten. You know, Buffalo's a bad team. They keep getting in their own way. If you remember that bad beat, obviously, with Buffalo. But here we are. Uh, they go to Ball State and win by two points. One of the worst teams in football in Ball State. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Ball State keeps it within two. I mean, this is why you've seen a spread of seven and a half. But to be honest with you, I agree. I, I think the spread should be actually higher for Toledo. But the problem is, can you trust Candle? I can't completely, you know. Jason Candle blows games himself uh he was down by like 20 some points against bowling green and they somehow came back at the end and won it but the fact that they came back in the end and won it shows you how powerful they are they get bored throughout the season you know this this offense on toledo is fantastic 13th in success rate 28th in offensive rushing success rate ninth in passing success rate they generate 6.6 yards per play on offense, right? You can't really trust Miami's yards per play ranking 58th at 5.83 when their quarterback has been taken out. I don't see a lot of areas where Miami's can stop this team. Miami ranks 66th in defensive play success rate, only 112th in defensive line yards, but offensive uh, passing success rate ninth, like I said, for Toledo. Daquan Quinn has just been good. 65% completion, 21 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. He's been fantastic. Finn also runs the ball, 110 attempts, 530 yards. Tilly is just powerful. I think they can cover this. But here's the thing. My my number's 10, maybe maybe towards 10 and a half. I'm going to wait. This has been kind of falling back a little bit. And if I can get myself a 7, that's what I'm looking for. So no rush right now, but I think Toledo is the side. And uh, I would also even lean to the under. You know, this could be like a 28 to uh, 13 type game. Now, I will say I do have a lot of respect for Miami's defense, allowing only 16.3 points per game. You know, they have a very good defense. I think they've only given up over 
28 points per game, their very first game against Miami, Florida. You know, then then they gave up 28 to UMass, then it went down to 24 at Cincinnati with a win, then uh, only three to Kent State, zero to Bowling Green, 21 to Western Michigan, a little bit more of an outlier, 21 to Toledo, and that's it. Everything was below that. So I am a little concerned about that aspect of it, but um, I need a little bit better of a number here just based upon Miami's defense. We'll uh, lean it at seven and a half. Next game, we have the Boise State Broncos against UNLV Rebels, baby, and UNLV plus two and a half here playing a home game in Allegiant Stadium. Total is 59, but here's the truth. Is this really a home game? Not really. I mean, Allegiant Stadiums is a destination. Yeah, Boise State travels extremely well. Maybe give them a half point or anything. That's it. A half point, but you can't give UNLV a big home field advantage here. Now, UNLV has been a great story, but the truth is they don't belong in this game because they just lost at home to San Jose State. And I don't know how San Jose State isn't the one representing here. I think that was absolute sham on the Mountain West side. There is absolutely no power rating out there that has UNLV better than San Jose State. But either way, here we are. UNLV, one of the best covering teams in all of college football. They are 10-2 against the spread, while Boise's 6-2-4 as far as the closing line. Now, Boise State's very weak against the pass, okay? That's kind of where UNLV can find some success, in my opinion. Uh, UNLV, eh, pretty good passing team, 8.6 yards per attempt, while Boise State allows 8.4 yards per attempt. Kind of something to look at. Um, I think the fact that there's no more quarterback controversy at Boise State is better for them. I kind of thought it was a little bit disjointed having uh, Madsen at quarterback, sharing with Taylor Green. But Taylor Green has been pretty good his last few games, and I do give him some credit for that. But, I mean, look who they played. New Mexico, Utah State, and a broken-down Air Force team that has been losing games to Army, Hawaii, of course, UNLV, where they should have lost by more. They lost by four. And then Boise State. You know, this is uh, a situation that I think UNLV might be a little bit better. My power ratings haven't really reflected that because my power ratings from a full season, you know, has Boise State a little bit better. You know, UNLV didn't play anybody, really. They got bounced by Michigan. They actually did okay against Michigan, only losing by, what, 28? That's not terrible against Michigan. <laughs> but, you know, easy schedule, Vanderbilt, UTEP, Hawaii, Nevada. So they kind of had an easy schedule themselves. But I did like what they did down the stretch here, beating Wyoming by 20 points beating Air Force, and uh, playing a good comeback game against San Jose State, I guess. But I have no reason to rush into this. I have it very close to pick them. And if I can get a plus three on either side of this, which is looking like it's trending towards UNLV, that's what I'd grab, you know? Now, my heart wants the Rebs to win. I don't like betting by my heart. But what I will say, as far as rushing, 
Uh, Boise State's offense ranks 11th in uh, rushing yards, actually 12th in yards per rush. And UNLV's defense ranks 67 in stopping the rush, 4.15, so average. But I am concerned that maybe Boise State does find a little success doing that. UNLV has a little bit of an advantage passing the ball. They rank 18th in success rate. Boise State ranks 48th in stopping the pass. So there's your, it's kind of the run versus the pass handicap here. So yeah, no play for me unless I get a three. Georgia at Alabama, plus five and a half, total 54.5 played at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Oh man, this is uh, the one that everyone thought was going to happen anyway, right? Well, Alabama certainly had a close one last week against Auburn. I think they are the better team anyway. But it's just so hard to get read on Alabama because Jalen Milrow, you know, great running, big athletic guy, uh, throws some deep balls where guys like Jermaine Burton, uh, Isaiah Bond are making some nice plays, right? But then there's a lot of Dinkin and Duncan. There's a lot of running plays. There's a lot of Jalen Mineral taking off running, which is hard to stop. But still. You know, you it's one of those where I don't think Milrow is good throwing in the middle of the field. So basically, as long as Georgia plays a too high shell, safety's deep, maybe a little bit of press coverage, nothing within zero to eight yards. You know, they have a good shot at really winning this game. <laughs> Georgia started the season out bad and everybody was on them for it. And then all of a sudden, quarterback Carson Beck decides to show up and play great. You know, the Missouri game at home was their closest one, but we know how good Missouri is this year. They boat race Mississippi, Ole Miss. They go to Tennessee and embarrass them. (laughs) Their toughest recent game was at Georgia Tech, where Georgia Tech's coach used to work for the program. So that's a little bit more understandable. But a lot of people are really fading Alabama here, and the spread kind of keeps climbing. Now it's getting five and a half at DraftKings, it's six and a half at Bet Online. I'm not so sure about that. You know, Bama's still a very athletic team, five star athletes everywhere. You know, and Alabama's defense has been fantastic this year, allowing 4.9 yards per play. You know, Alabama's defense in many ways ranks better than Georgia's. Defense's success rate, fifth, Georgia's 17th. Rushing play success rate ninth. Georgia's is 42nd. You know, Georgia at least runs the ball a little better than Alabama. But still, passing success rate on defense fifth, while Georgia's ninth. It's, it's, it might be a little closer game than uh, than the five or six points is is telling you, as long as Milrow can be a good Milrow. And we don't we haven't seen Carson Beck against a really, really good team, I guess minus Missouri, but Tennessee. They didn't prove to be all that good. And there was an interception touchdown called back by a late flag by a ref that could have kept Tennessee kind of in that game early. Then it kind of spun out of control. You know, Alabama's got a hell of a strength of schedule, ranking number one on Sagarin, having to play Texas. And that was their loss, right? We all know that. It was second game of the season, (laughs) you know? I mean, that can happen. They've kind of been back and forth throughout the season, but they took care of business at Texas A&M. 
They took care of business themselves against Tennessee at home, winning by double digits as well. LSU at Kentucky. Well, Georgia's strength of schedule, toughest team you played, Georgia, was Missouri at home. And then I guess at Tennessee, but Texas, Ole Miss at Texas A&M. Yeah, LSU, I'm pretty sure that Alabama's schedule is quite a bit harder than Georgia's. So if you look at Georgia's yards per play, 2.42 to Alabama's 1.58. I think that's a hell of a lot closer than people think. I'm going to watch this spread a little bit. I have Bama a 3.5 point dog in this situation. Sorry, I have have Alabama as a 2.25 dog. But I'm no rush to play it right now. I think I'm going to wait on this and uh, possibly jump on it later. What I will say is Kirby Smart has had Nick Saban's uh, numbers the last few games, and their last loss was against Nick Saban. But at the same time, I think uh, Alabama's got a little bit more desperation here. They know they have to win to make the playoffs. Georgia might even assume, being that they're the champions, that they lose this game. They're still in. I I have no idea what they're thinking, but they should be out, in my opinion. But either way, this is going to be a wonderful game, and my numbers are not close to the spread. I'm going to lean Alabama here. I'm going to watch the spread a little bit. I'll probably be okay to take it at 6.5. I'm really in no rush. You know, everyone keeps thinking about that Texas game, but that was also a little bit of a fluky game for Alabama, you know, just like last week was against Auburn. I think the reason you're getting some good value here is because of that Auburn. That's why it's going up to six, in my opinion. It was just that bad showing at Auburn. Well, this is a different situation now for Alabama, and uh, they do have athletes on this team as well, and I'm still not 1,000% sold here on Georgia that they're the best team in the nation. As a matter of fact, I don't have them as the best team in the nation. I have them as the third best team in the nation with Ohio State fourth, Texas fifth, Alabama is sixth. So strong lean to Alabama right now. This could be a play a little bit later. Next game, SMU versus Tulane. Tulane minus three and a half, total 47 and a half. Yesterday it was five and a half. <laughs> there was three and a half, then four, and then the injury news, obviously, to the quarterback from... Uh, SMU and Preston Stone out for the season. So this lane, this line lane opened around three, three and a half anyway. But the bookmakers at least knew that this quarterback was out. The crazy thing is how the market reacted afterwards. You know, it went all the way up to five and a half. So I have a premium play on this, but so I'm not going to get too technical and too in-depth. But SMU has been a fantastic team and so fantastic that their power ratings on, on team rankings is like 10 points, uh, 10 points more, right? I mean, SMU has been fantastic this year and they are 10 points higher on team rankings, on Sagarin, which is a very trusted one, a one that's a little bit more smashed together, right? The distance between these teams aren't as drastic on Sagarin. He has it like six and a half points. So <clears throat> what's a quarterback worth? That's what you have to ask yourself. You know, what's the quarterback worth? And <clears throat> you got to give like two points 
of home field for Tulane, two to three, probably two, because SMU gets invited to this game anyway. You know, their alumni gets to buy tickets. So two at the max, you know, you can come up with your own spread that way. I did, and I have a premium play on this game. What I will say is that there is not a ton of advantages for Tulane in this situation, minus the quarterback that's been there, that won it last year in Pratt. But at the same time, SMU has a pretty, I'm not going to say good yet. He's a freshman. Kevin Jennings, capable quarterback is what I should say. Uh, 18th for 24, 75% completion percentage, three touchdowns, no interceptions, probably most of that garbage time. But a little bit of last game against Navy. But Tulane is pretty weak against the pass themselves, only ranking 109th in defensive passing success rate. They lost a lot of good guys last year to the NFL draft. So it's going to be a good game. Market moved from three and a half all the way up to five and a half. Now back down to three and a half. You can make your own decision on that one. Next game, we have App State versus Troy. This number is kind of bouncing around a little bit. It looks like it's at six in some books, six and a half in some other books. I wrote down six and a half. The total of this game is 51.5. So I have a play on this one. This is our second play that we're going to be giving out here. I like App State. And even though this is a bit of home game for the Trojans, but App State's been red hot, right? And they made a hell of a push here to to get to this uh, game. Looking at the numbers, there's a clear advantage for Troy's defense, ranking 10th in uh, defensive EPA to Appalachian State at 72. But on the other side of the ball, App State's offense has been humming, ranking 17th in offensive EPA to Troy at 43rd. This has taken the whole season. The Trojans looked sharp since their losses to Kansas State and James Madison. But I think they can be vulnerable. Uh, Troy doesn't have the best special teams. They only rank 81st in field position, and they've also been known to give up explosive plays, 42nd in that category, giving up explosive plays. Now, that's not a big number. It's above average, but it's not great to a Appalachian State team that thrives on making a lot of big explosive plays, right? 23rd in offensive explosiveness for App State, uh, 14th in passing play uh, success rate. The Trojans have a 0.73 net yard per play advantage over the Mountaineers, but this handicap is about what you have you done for me lately, okay? Since App State's loss to Old Dominion, they've racked up five wins in a row. Great performances at Georgia State, blowing them out at James Madison, beating them. They actually beat James Madison, and the box score shows it too. They have also they had more yards than James Madison and Georgia Southern. Now, what makes me confident in this is how they played James Madison a couple weeks ago. They only allowed 1.8 yards per carry and 6.3 yards per pass. So if you're worried about Troy's rush defense, or rush offense, I should say, that is uh, pretty highly ranked, and that's how they kind of pound it to teams, uh, you feel a little bit confident here that Appalachian State, as of lately, has been able to stop the run. You know, Troy... 6.2 yards per play, and their yards per rush is actually only 4.22. So, I mean, from that standpoint, I think that App State can stop this team. Troy, not the greatest success rate 
Offensive success rate is 91st. They always thrive on their defense, while App State is kind of trending up here. This is kind of another situation, Washington uh, versus Oregon, where a good offensive team can backdoor. App State's a very good offensive team. 14th in offensive passing success rate. You know, they can get the ball downfield. Even if they're getting the run stop, they can move the ball. Joey Aguilar has moved up to 20th in rating, in QBR rating this year. 63.5% completion, 3,271 yards, 33 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. So he's very capable of keeping this game close and possibly getting through the back door. I like App State plus 6.5 for two stars. Pal, I'll kiss your boots if you can do it. But to be the man, you got to beat the man. And I'm saying, woo, right here. This segment was brought to you by AG1. Why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and whole food source ingredients of high quality that give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin, hair, and nails. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash oddsbreakers or click on our podcast episode description. Next unfortunate game, and I have to say unfortunate because of uh, what happened to Florida State, is Louisville versus Florida State. Total is 47.5 all the way down to that. (laughs) Florida State is favored by two and a half points right now. Very, very sad. What happened to Jordan Travis? And now Tate Roadmaker is playing quarterback, and to be honest with you, we don't know what he is. He played fine against Florida, and Florida didn't have their quarterback, and Florida's just not a good team. And, uh, you know, Florida State won the game, but it wasn't exactly convincing, and Tate Roadmaker had, what, 100-some passing yards, you know? So I guess it's a tough environment, you can at least say, when he went to Gainesville. That's true. No denying that. But this is kind of sad. But here's the thing. Louisville, on the other side of the coin, hasn't exactly uh, been amazing their last game, losing to Kentucky outright. You know, they went to Miami and won, which was nice. You know, Miami um, was in a situation where they probably could improve their bowl game a little bit. But, nope, they lose outright to Louisville. Louisville is a very powerful passing team. But they lose to Kentucky. But they also outgained Kentucky. There was a misleading final score. A three-to-one turnover ratio really did them in. Now, all said and done, uh, Florida State, 1.81 net yards per play to Louisville at 1.31. Kind of throw that out a little bit because new quarterback, you have to throw throw away all the offensive stats, really. I guess not necessarily the runs, but, I mean, rushing success rate was only ranking 93rd for Florida State, you know. Uh, yards per rush for Florida State, not exactly amazing, but decent at 4.77. But man, it's, it's just a big blow to this team. You know, Louisville is a very, very good team. 11th in offensive success rate. Offensive rushing success rate, 21st. Passing 13th. 
Their defense has been solid all year, 12th in success rate, 17th in defensive rushing success rate. Um, They do allow some explosive plays, which is what you worry about a little bit. But then again, Florida State was ranked fourth in explosive plays. Now what's that going to go down to? I guess you got to hope they can get a big run from Trey Benson, the running back, you know, 6.07 average rushing yards per attempt for him. He's a beast, you know. Um, So that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to run it down Louisville's throat. Is that achievable? I don't know. I mean, Louisville's going to expect it now. Louisville already stopped the run at 3.26 yards per rush. That's pretty good. You know, that ranks 15th in the nation. So they kind of already have that covered a little bit. You know, I mean, from a power rating wise, I had Florida State pretty high until this happened. I had to downgrade them uh, based on this injury. You know, I downgraded them seven points. Because I just thought that's how important Jordan Travis was to this uh, offense. Because he ran the ball a ton too. You know, he had a lot of great plays. Florida State likes to set up a lot of play action. You know, Jordan Jordan Travis was great at that. I don't know how good Tate Roadmaker is going to be there. But either way, here we are. And my adjusted power rating on this has Florida State by a half a point. (laughs) Half a point, literally. So it's just one of those situations where what are you going to do now that the spread is two and a half? Um, Three is a common number. I did take this early as a premium play. You're not going to see this number again. I gave out at five and a half on Sunday. And... uh, you know, that's just the advantage of knowing which lines to pick off in what situations. Sometimes it works against you. <laughs> but as long as it's working for you 66% of the time, you're pretty happy. Uh, but either way, um, this is close to a pick now. I want to think that maybe Louisville's success is a little bit based upon an easier schedule. And and that would help Florida State some, right? You know, Louisville's schedule on Sagarin ranks 66th. They played Georgia Tech in the beginning, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College. At NC State was a good game. Notre Dame was a good game. They beat Notre Dame, but Notre Dame was in a terrible spot. Then they lost at Pitt. Then they kind of took care of business through on out until they lost to Kentucky. You know, um, I almost kind of think that Louisville's strength of schedule was a little bit weak when it comes to playing against running teams. But at the same time, I mean, this team did show well against Kentucky. They did allow Ray Davis 14 carries for 76 yards. That's not that impressive. Because they stopped Ramon Jefferson and a few of the other guys to sometimes negative yards, right? Devin Leary got negative yards, probably sacks. But either way, I just don't see a ton of success for Florida State on offense. And if 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 uh, Louisville is going to have success on offense themselves against a very good Florida State team with 
you know, top draft picks on that defense, they're probably going to have to do it running the ball because Florida State's defense is number one in passing success rate. And if they can sneak an interception or so, forcing Plummer into one, he threw one last week and had fumbled last week, uh, they're going to have success there. So who's going to win out? I think this is going to be a game completely deter- determined by turnovers. So I'm going to consider a money line play as a middle opportunity because I think Florida State can still win this game through defense. I know Louisville's defense is good too, but I just think Florida State has played the tougher schedule that they played Clemson. They obviously didn't get Notre Dame, but they at least had to play LSU that first game. They had to go to Pitt. They beat Pitt by 17 points. Both teams beat Miami, so there you go. Kind of a interesting push on that one, but um, I have Florida State as a slight favorite here. I think 2.5 is a pretty dang good number, so that's where you're at with this game, and I'm going to lean to the under. Even though the under's low, I think this is going to be a big defensive game. Lean to the under. Next game, Michigan versus Iowa. I guess apologies to Oklahoma State. This is the most disgusting spread out there. Iowa plus 22, total 35. That would put Iowa's team total at seven points. And you'll probably be lucky to get seven. It's probably six and a half juiced on the books. Man, this is a low total. And uh, it's, it's probably right. I mean, there's really not a lot you can say here. How good is Iowa's defense is really the big question here. Can Michigan score enough to cover a 22-point spread? This was 23, and then money came in on Iowa a little bit. I'll admit, my number is power rating. I give Iowa just a lot of credit for their special teams and defense. I Iowa's seven and a half points better than the average team, and that's with zero offense. I mean, this was a terrible offense. And I have Michigan as my best team at 26.5 points better than the average team. A lot of people have the Michigans and the Georgias up at 30. I don't. I I don't have a – I'm a little bit more like Sagarin, I guess, if you come to uh, the conclusion of my ratings that it's not as variant as people think. Even though teams can get margin, sometimes they really don't at all, you know. But either way, going back to this game, uh, Iowa – Took care of business throughout the Big Ten West. They should have lost to Nebraska, but they didn't. <laughs> you know, they should have lost a lot of games that they played. They're, they should have lost to Illinois. You know, these margins are just so small a victory, and it's all based upon their punter, Tory Taylor, that will probably be the best punter in the NFL next year. <laughs> um, and uh, their defense, of course. The scary thing for Iowa is that Michigan's defense is even better than theirs. <laughs> you know? Um, when Iowa went to a team with a pulse, meaning Penn State, and I'm sorry, Wisconsin, you don't have a pulse. Um, Northwestern, you kind of get in a pulse the last few games, but you still don't have one. Northwestern should have beat you. You lost 31 to nothing. Couldn't even cover. Couldn't even score against Penn State. And you're supposed to score now against Michigan? 
a better defense than Penn State's Michigan Wolverines. That's not going to be easy. <laughs> you know, that's going to be extremely hard. Now, the weird thing about Michigan is they're they're not as good at running the ball as they were last year, even though they have Corum and Donovan Edwards both healthy, but only 4.44 yards per attempt, but their passing is awesome, you know, and this is exactly why J.J. McCarthy is a Heisman candidate, 74.3% completion, only 2,483 yards. They don't have to do a whole lot to beat some of these teams. A lot of it's just field position, defense, running the ball, you know, success on it on plays. Harbaugh was missing the last three games, but he's back now. Uh, it's just too bad that Iowa quarterback got injured against that Penn State game that used to play for uh, Michigan in Cade McNamara. But Deacon Hill is worse. 48% completion percentage, five TDs, six interceptions. You know, they just don't belong here, but none of the Big Ten West does. If there's any team in the Big Ten West, the spread would be that or larger, probably larger. Maybe not Wisconsin just because everyone's power ratings high on them, but they have a lot of problems themselves. But here we are. Uh, it's an ugly game, and I think it's a perfect spread. I mean, I'm at 19, but, I mean, Michigan's not going to let down in this situation. <laughs> you know, there's no way. Uh, Michigan didn't last year. Remember when they beat Ohio State last year in Ohio State? Everyone's like, oh, maybe they maybe they might just let down a little bit. Nope. <laughs> not at all. That did not happen. Michigan whooped Purdue's ass is what happened. <laughs> I think... Uh, they lost by uh, 21 points. I mean, it's just how much, what number does Michigan want to do? It, it, that's really what you're asking yourself here. Just because my power rings are 19.5 on this spread, I'm going to lean to Iowa. But there's no way in hell am I betting this because Michigan's just having fun at this point and Harbaugh's coming back. Uh, they're probably going to have a big game. Uh, here, in my opinion, and I just don't see how, how Iowa's going to move the ball. So, unfortunately, no play. I don't like the team total. I don't like anything in this game, but maybe watch the first half of it and then go do something else. Unreal. All right. Well, as a recap, our official plays, and obviously you got all of our leans, the official plays is the over, 66. Washington versus Oregon played at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And we're going to take App State plus six and a half. I actually found a seven, uh, but six and a half, I would play that with two stars uh, if you get the opportunity. I think App State is for real and coming in with a ton of momentum. Now it is time for the sharp side of the force. The Sharp Side of the Force is brought to you by BetMGM for an up to $1,500 sign-up bonus. Please click on the link of this podcast description, terms, conditions, and location apply. By the way, that total we gave you is actually 65.5 on uh, BetMGM right now, so maybe you can get a little bit better of a number if you decide to grab that book. All right, Sharp College Football as of Wednesday 
at noon. Sharp money on Oregon, minus 7.5 to minus 9.5 versus Washington. 55% of the tickets and 69% of the money. Sharp money on Texas, minus 10.5 to minus 15 versus Oklahoma State. 50% of the tickets and 62% of the money. Sharp money on SMU, plus 6, down to plus 3.5 at Tulane. 59% of the tickets and 77% of the money. Sharp money on Louisville, plus 6.5, down to plus 2.5 versus Florida State. 55% of the tickets and 83% of the money. Sharp totals. Oregon versus Washington under 68.5 to 65.5, 79% of the uh, tickets and 88% of the money. Sharp money in Miami, Ohio versus Toledo under 46.5 to 44, 84% of the tickets and 98% of the money. Sharp money in Boise State versus UNLV under or over 57.5 to 59, 92% of the tickets and 97% of the money. Sharp money in App State versus Troy over 51.5 to 53, 91% of the tickets and 95 percent of the money and sharp money on the louisville versus florida state under 53 all the way down to 47.5 93 percent of the tickets and 99 percent of the money my friends thank you so much for listening to this podcast i uh, hope you enjoyed it tomorrow we are back with the nfl and a special guest i hope you enjoy the rest of your week and go get some winners <laughs>